But uh, a few weeks ago, I met up with, actually it was like, I think it's last, last week, I met up with the director of the bridge. This place is called the bridge. It's a toy museum, um, toy and antique museum. If you guys see all the, all the antiques up here, um, these are not new. They're super old. And so it's a museum that was started by um, members of uh, Youth with a Mission here in Korea. And so YWAM is an organization uh, all around the world. Um, they, they minister and they do you know a lot of mission work. But they have a, a YWAM here in Korea, and um, the, the missionaries kind of got together and started this as a means to just connect with and you know, just lost people, and and I met up with him because he he gave us they, they gave us the opportunity to worship here in this place, right? Um, a few weeks, I think the guy that connected us is here. Is Pastor Jung here? Oh, you started going okay. I saw him, and then I think he left. But Pastor Jung is the one that introduced us to this place. We met up with the director like earlier this year, and we've been worshiping here um, for about more than six months. I think it's seven seven months seven months and then so I was talking to him and he wanted to have a meeting it's been six months we're going to renew the the contract I guess every six months and he first of all he was like really apologetic that he had to raise the rent a hundred dollars which is still really cheap <laughs> we pay like almost nothing to worship here on Sundays and so I was just like oh thank you so much for letting us you know use this space it's such a blessing to us but um and, you know and he was talking about how um, this started out as a no cost to customer kind of place where they wouldn't charge anything and they changed that model into serving really good. You know, the coffee that they serve here is excellent. If you guys want good coffee, come here midweek. Um, Unjung will make it for you. I don't know where Unjung is. Um, Unjung's in the back. Yes. <laughs> She'll make it for you. She, she works here throughout the week. Um, you know, and they, uh, they use really like good coffee grounds. I think it's single origin. It's like, it's like the bougie coffee, you know, like the, the, that the pretentious people drink. But they serve it really cheap. I think it's like $2 a cup or a little bit more than that. Then they have waffles for sale. Um, and they did that because they realized that it helped with the cost of maintaining this place. But um, one thing that happened was people started to not just see this as a tourist attraction, but just as a place to kind of hang out and come. So there's been like multiple people that are coming in regularly to like just sit here and, you know, experience the cafe eat really, drink really great coffee and eat waffles and stuff. And so he told me about that and the change. And then I told them kind of about my heart for the time that we've been here. And I, I mentioned that like, I felt like our season here at the bridge has been a season of rest. And so, uh, I really feel like for me personally, this is me personally, not the church per se, but for me personally, I felt this shift that happened when we moved into this worshiping space. Like I felt a season of rest upon me. It didn't mean that I was doing less work, right? I'm still a full-time student. I'm still like you know a father. I'm still a husband. I'm still you know pre- preaching every Sunday, you know doing all the things. There's actually more work because I have to set up all this stuff by myself when I, in the morning. And I come here like one o'clock and I set all this up on Sundays and so. But like for me, it just I just feel like the sense of rest, right? And I told this to him and he got really excited because the passage that he that they. They stood on when they were opening this place. Came out of the book of Isaiah, and it was it's, it's a it's a passage about foreigners, right? We're all, most of us are all foreigners here, experiencing Sabbath, right? That's kind of the heart of what they wanted for this space. And I felt like, oh, you know, like was this this like very like you know the like kismet moment where like we are kind of like you know our minds and our hearts kind of met, and, and I think we both kind of teared up a little bit. You know, we're sitting right here. Um, two grown men just like talking about stuff and then 
And, but I just felt like, I just kept on saying like, yeah, I feel, feel like our church is in a, is in a season of rest. Um, and, and so I felt like I, I should preach on this topic of rest today. Spiritual rest, because how we rest in the season of rest will determine how we respond in seasons of breakthrough. Um, you know, there's a sports analogy that I like to say. In, in any kind of sport activity, there's always like a moment of rest before any kind of action, right? And if you play tennis, who plays tennis here, right? You know, when you play tennis, like they, they don't just go up there and just start banging tennis balls, right? They just kind of wait. There's a lot of like wait and moving their butts around. And then there's this moment where they kind of like look down and then they throw the ball in the air and then, and like the wind up and everything is this moment of just kind of like, like, like it's almost a moment of rest, but it needs to be there for the action to take place, right? Same thing with football. Football's a great analogy. Like, when we started watching football, my dad, he's a Korean man, he's, he likes soccer. And so, um, when, when we started, when we moved to America and we started watching American football, he's like, all they're doing is sitting around. <laughs> All I see them doing is just standing around. That's what football kind of looks like. Because there's a lot of like standing around time, right? But there's a moment where everybody gets to the line, right? You know, when they come to the line and they kind of, everybody has to freeze. Especially the linemen, they have to freeze. And in that moment of freezing, right, it makes all of the difference. Because that moment, as soon as the, the quarterback says hike, everything just starts to explode, right? And in the same way, these, I use this analogy is that the seasons of rest in our lives, moments of rest, the weekend or even a, a season of rest is very important because how we rest in this moment dictates or defines how we will respond in the seasons of breakthrough. Right? And I, I say breakthrough because you know, when I'm talking about breakthrough, I'm also talking about struggles, right? Because struggles and breakthrough go hand in hand, right? You don't, you, you can't have a breakthrough without struggle, right? Because you're breaking through something. Some kind of struggle, some kind of difficulty, some kind of, you know, trial or resistance, right? Always comes together with breakthrough. How many of you know that when you are in a season of difficulty and struggle, you are also in a season of breakthrough? You guys know that? That God doesn't just like, like just pile stuff on you for a purpose, right? God, you will, he will lead you through seasons of difficulty and seasons of trial because ultimately there, there, there's going to be a breakthrough. If you continue in the ways of the Lord and if you follow His, His ways, there's going to be a breakthrough in that breakthrough. How you respond in that breakthrough, how you break through is going to be determined by how you spend your seasons of rest. You know, last week I preached in Seoul. And I mentioned this really low season of our lives, me and Mina. It was about three, two, three years ago. Um, and it truly was the lowest point for both of our lives, right? We, we, this came to mind because, you know, Pastor JP came a couple of weeks ago and they stayed with us. And we were just talking really late at night. And then we were just talking about just like the most difficult time in our life, right? In our marriage. And this was the season where just like, I was just like super overwhelmed and Mina was kind of struggling with depression and, you know, our, our marriage or something, we had all these interpersonal, like, difficulties with, like, past members of the church, and all of these things were causing us, this, like, this, you know, it's this experience, this really low point in our lives. But because as we continue to press through, we both experienced huge breakthroughs, right? Like, one of the things that people were talking about me and, and about us is, like, they're like, oh, they're unqualified. You know, Caleb's unqualified. Like, he, he hasn't gone to seminary, and, 
you know, he's inadequate, you know, and so that's kind of a struggle that I had. I preached a bunch of sermons on feeling inadequate. But then as we pressed through, the breakthrough came in that area, right? Where I was able to go back to school and I'm about to start seminary in September, hopefully, if they accept me, right? And, and, and same with Mina. Mina was like going through this season of depression where, you know, these people in our lives kind of just really broke our hearts and, and, and after, during this season, she pressed through, she continues to choose God, and now, in her breakthrough, is in that area. I've never seen Mina so motivated in the area of ministry. Like she's having meetings all the time. Like she calls up Molly and Tiffany, and I'm like, like, like Wednesday night, I like want to watch a movie, and I go in, and she's on talking to my prayer meeting time. Get out, you know? Like, I'm like, what? I feel, I'm, I feel a little inadequate, right? Now, I, I, I mentioned that because that breakthrough, right, and struggle go hand in hand. In order for the breakthrough to be there, there will be a season of struggle. And how you respond in these seasons of struggle and breakthrough has a lot to do with how we rest in the season of rest. Now today, I'm not actually going to be talking about physical rest. It's a part of it, but I'm talking about the more holistic understanding of rest, right? The state of rest that we are in. And the world will define this as pleasant circumstances, right? Like vacation, you know, all of the Instagram pictures, you know, I don't, I'm not hating on your Instagrammers, but, you know, like that's like, like rest or no stress or no work or no problems, no worries, like a drum circle, you know, singing Bob Marley songs, no, you know, like, don't worry about the thing, you know, like they, they consider that like rest, right? Because there's no worries. And even as Christians, a lot of times we understand rest in a very similar way. We feel that way. Like, you know, like if God could remove this problem, I would be in a state of rest. The way that we as believers see rest must be very different than how the world sees rest. Because the world knows about physical rest. They know about mental rest. They know even know about emotional rest. But we as believers are given access to spiritual rest. And it's a rest that comes from our spirit, from the spirit of God and the presence of Holy Spirit and Jesus in our lives. And it's a rest that supersedes the other aspects of rest in our lives. Right? We need sleep, we need physical rest, but sometimes you can get all the sleep that you want. Right? You can get all the sleep, all the physical rest that you want, but, but, but you still don't feel rested. But there are times where you're physically all spent, you're physically drained, but the Spirit of God is alive in you. Have you ever had those seasons? And you feel like alive, you feel rested, you feel energized. Uh, I refer to this quite a bit in my sermons, but you know, when we first planted this church, uh, we planted it back in 2012, 10 of us moved down and we all got jobs. And you know, I was working as a, as a kindergarten teacher, right? And, and it was like, it was like a very tough hog one, right? Where nine to f- six, we would work full on, right? If there was ever like a class that was empty, they would fill it with the, with the quickness, right? They would split classes up so that we wouldn't have any break time, right? So I was working nine to six, Monday through Friday, right? I would write my sermons on Saturday. On Sunday, I would be at church. I would lead prayer meetings in the morning, right? You know, preach, you know, lead praise as well. I led praise before Tiffany or before Herman. I, and I would I would lead praise and then I would preach and I would like like do like you know membership class all these things but and but like I didn't get burnt out right through that season I, it, I feel like 
if anything, I should have been burnt out in that season, but I never was burnt out because it was a season where I was continually, like, I had this mission, right? God gave me a calling, and it was like the first time I actually felt this calling of God in my life. And I just, I just felt just energized every week, right? And, and I was invigorated because it was, a, I was getting spiritual rest. Every time I came to church, I was like, God was doing something in my life. And I look back and I don't know how I did it because these days, as I've gotten older and as I've had kids and, you know, as we've been doing ministry more and more, it's just like, wow, where did that, where did that grace come from? And I realized that it was a grace of the Holy Spirit. We have access to spiritual rest. I want you guys to turn in your Bibles to Matthew 26. Right? They're in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus takes Peter, James, and John, the inner, inner, inner homies of Jesus, the inner crew, and he tells them to keep watch with him and pray, right, because, you know, he's troubled. And he goes up a little further and he prays to God, comes back, and they're sleeping, right? And he wakes them up again. And he's like, watch, and in verse 41, it says, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now, Jesus isn't saying that this to point out the weakness of their flesh. Right? He's not saying like, dude, you guys suck, right? Like, why are, you, why are you guys so tired? But he has an expectation that he has for them to see and tap into the strength and the rest that they have in the Holy Spirit. Your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. Tap into your spirit. Right? He's like, 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 be alive in the spirit. Like, you know, like, you know, why are you guys sleeping? I know you guys are tired, but you have this rest, the spiritual rest. Tap into your, the spirit of God. Your body, your mind, your emotions may be weak, but if your spirit is strong, if you're rested in the spirit, you can overcome. And, and when you're rested and alive in the spirit, circumstances don't dictate our condition so much. When we are at rest in the spirit, stress and problems and work can all still be on us, right? God didn't say, like, I'm going to get rid of all of the problems in your life, but we're able to have rest and peace that transcends the things of this world. Paul talks about it in Philippians 4-7, the peace of God that tra- transcends our understanding, transcends what, how, what, like the, our thought process and what we know as reality, right? It will transcend our understanding, right? And, and guard your heart in Christ Jesus, right? And, and give you peace in your heart. That's what he's talking about. We have another source in which to draw rest. That's not like R&R, you know, rest and relaxation, you know, the, or, or, or sleep, or, you know, like, just not doing anything, you know. In the flesh, the disciples, they're in the garden with Jesus. They needed physical, fleshly body rest. But Jesus is saying that there's another source of rest that can supersede the rest that we may need in our bodies. And what Jesus is telling the disciples in the garden is basically what he's experiencing and overcoming as he prayed. He's about to get arrested, right? He's about to get arrested, executed on the cross. He's about to do the most difficult thing ever done by anybody in all of history. Not only is he being crucified, but he's taking the sins of the world upon his shoulder. Right? I know there's been a lot of people that were crucified. If you've seen, watched movies, you know, you know they talk about people who were crucified, but none of those people that were crucified ever took the sins of the world upon their shoulders. Right? 
And he knows it. And he's actually troubled. Jesus, throughout his whole ministry, he was always at peace, right? If you read, he was, a, he was like the epitome of confidence. He was the epitome of rest and peace. He knew exactly what to say. He was never like, he never going to... At those moments, right? He was always at peace. But at this moment, Jesus, he says that he's troubled. You know, my soul is troubled. And instead of sleeping, he goes to God in prayer. He goes to the Father in prayer. He shows his vulnerability and he gets prayed up in the Spirit. He taps into the well of his Father's presence, right? He goes to the Father. And there's a significant difference in the way he talks before and after this time of prayer with the Father. Matthew 26, verse 36, it says, Sit there while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. We haven't really seen this side of Jesus. Then he said to him, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you be done, as you will. He's basically laying it at the Father's feet. He's falling at the Father's feet and he's saying, he's in his, in the presence of his Father and he, he's just like, like, I need strength from you, right? Like, like if, if this can be passed from me, please. And then he's like, oh no, but not my will, but yours be done. He has this moment with the Father. He goes back and they're sleeping again. He's like, wake up, pray with me. Your spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he goes and he prays again. He comes back and they're sleeping again. And, it's, and it says, So leaving them, he went away and prayed for a third time, saying the same words again. Right? And then this is where the shift happens. Then he came to the disciples and said to him, Sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of the sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Right? I haven't noticed this, but there's a significant change in Jesus. He went from sorrowful and trouble to like, let's do this. Like, I am here to do this. He's rested. There's, there's a rest that he has of being in the presence of the Father. And it's not because he took a nap. Right? We all need our naps, right? How many need a nap? I need a nap all the time, right? I wake up from the nap, sometimes I'm more tired, right? He's rested and it's because he was in the presence of the Father. He took on his stress problem that he that he was actually struggling with. He takes it and he, he goes at it full on. He doesn't take a break from it and he doesn't try to bury it or forget about his problems. You know, put it on the back burner. Oh, that crucifixion, I'm just going to talk. I'm going to put that to next week. right? He doesn't do that. He goes at it full on. He he, he goes head on into his issues. He brings it to the father of the feet of the father and he's saying, God, I need, father, I need help with this. And then he finds rest and he's like, all right, let's do this. The time has come. Right? And you see that the, the, the Jesus that in control Jesus again. Right? He, he dictates when he gets crucified. Right? He's like, all right, the time is now. Here they come. Let's do this. It's that rest which comes from the Spirit. 
Romans 8.10 But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is alive because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. I personally don't think that Paul's just talking about our, our bodies being glorified when Jesus returns. But I believe that he's talking about now. That if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us, who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to our mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. It's like, it's like, it's like the Spirit of God at work in us is gonna give us strength, is gonna give us rest, is gonna give us peace now, at, at this time. He's gonna give life to your mortal bodies. It's like how Jesus said He came that He might have life and have it abundantly. People take that and think, oh yeah, we have eternal life. No, He came so that you can have a life here on earth now and have it abundantly by following Him. There is life, there is energy, there is rest that we have in the Spirit that gives life to our mortal bodies. And Jesus, He gives us this truth, not just so that we can you know, be all happy and like, ah, we have rest. Because he knew that our lives on earth would not be easy. It will, it will not be stress-free. It will not be work-free. It will not be problem-free. He knew that our lives are not like, you know, like, like all like happy and whatever. There, there's going to be difficulty, right? It's not going to be a Bob Marley song. As a matter of fact, as a follower of Jesus, Jesus tells us that we will have problems that the world won't. Persecution, right? We, like, that's stuff like the worldly people at the club, they, they're not gonna get persecuted, right? But, but Jesus says, we will be persecuted. And He tells us this not so that we get all scared and worked up, but it's so that we tap into the life, the peace, the rest that we have in the Spirit. No matter what life throws at us, we can be at rest because we have rest in our Spirit from God. That's true Sabbath. Right? Some of you guys might be tired right now. Right? And you're like, oh, I need, I need, I need more sleep. Well, you guys get more sleep? That's like me. Sometimes I feel tired. I get more sleep. I get even more tired. Right? But then, you know what? When I, when I, when I, I seek out the presence of God, right? and I get into that, you know, zone of like, God, I, I want to be in your presence. I'm in his presence. Right? I feel life. I feel energy. Right? I get excited. I get excited about my, my salvation. I get excited about like, you know, that God bringing breakthrough into my life. John 16.33, Jesus said that in the world we will have tribulation. In the world we will have trouble, but take heart, for He has overcome the world. He wants us to have hope. He wants us to have this peace. And the Spirit of God, Holy Spirit, that was upon Jesus when He overcame the world is in you. Do you know that? That the same Spirit of God that was with Jesus Christ when He was raised from the dead is in you. You don't get like a junior mint size Holy Spirit, right? You don't get like this, like, you know, like, you know, when our kids love it, those little popkis, right? They are the most annoying things in the world because they're so expensive in Korea and it's just crap inside, right? Right? And we don't get like this bulky version of the Holy Spirit. We get the Holy Spirit of God. He is God in us, right? And His power at work in us can give 
He, he gives us rest. He gives us peace. He gives us joy. He gives us what we need to, to, to do what He has called us to do. The Holy Spirit testifies of what Jesus has done in us. Testifies of the victory that He has, has and the victory that we have in Him. That Satan is defeated. That, the, that we are in eternal victory. Right? And that produces true rest in us when applied in faith. Our, one of the fruits of true faith is rest. Right? If you have true faith, it's, you have rest. John 5, 4, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is He who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not by the water only, but by the, the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is true. Right? The Holy Spirit in us testifies right, that God is victorious. Jesus is victorious. Jesus, through the Spirit of God who is in you, has overcome the world. And, and you, through Him, have also overcome the world. If that doesn't produce a sense of rest, I don't know what does. True spiritual rest comes when we are able to fully put our faith in Him that has overcome the world and walk out in faith and obedience. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? That's gospel 101. Key to spiritual rest is faith and obedience. It's to put your trust in God and follow in His footsteps following the path that He lays out for you. And in that path, you will have true rest. God wants to give us rest. If we have faith in Him and His promises, and we live a life of obedience to His Word, obedience in faith, it produces rest. Right? It's only when we start to going after the things of the world that we're going to be have unrest. Right? And if you, I don't know if you know, but... Whenever I have unrest in my heart, it's all, it always has to do with something of this world, right? That's out of my control, right? Like, our, our, you know, the housing prices are going up. Oh, what are going to do? Right? I get all like, you know, I go to Mina, I say, oh, Mina, what am I going to do? And she's like, God has it. Have faith. I'm like, oh, okay. Right? But, but whenever we are off, when we get knocked off of our rest, it's not because we're focusing on things of God, we're focusing on things of the world, right? The key to spiritual rest is faith and obedience. And it produces rest. When the Israelites were free and eat, were, were free from Egypt, what did they do? Right? They wandered the wilderness for 40 years with no rest. Right? Was that because God didn't want to give them rest? Say, like, hey, ha ha ha, I freed you. Now I'm going to make you walk for 40 years. Right? That's not God. God didn't do that. He basically handed it to them on a silver platter. He said, I, they tell them, I'm giving you this land. This is your promised land. It's flowing with milk and honey. It's got everything that you need. The land is good, right? And I'm going with you, right? You're going to take this land. All you have to do is believe. Put your faith in me and you can receive, right? This promised land, what they do? They, they look at some large people and all of a sudden they get all freaked out. Oh, they have giants and they get all scared. Right, they send out 12 spies, 10 of them come back, all like, you know, oh, we can't do this, let's go back to Egypt. They want to like, 
raise up a, a, a leader to lead them back to Egypt, right? And then two, you know, really, you know, good, the faithful men of God, I will not name them because it's a little, every time I do, people laugh. But, you know, Joshua and this other guy, right? They, they get, they're like, we can take them. And they're the only ones that get to see the promised land. But how, they, how did they respond? Did they respond with faith and obedience? No, they respond with the opposite and they actually curse God for trying to kill them. And, 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 and what they read, what they receive is not rest. God wanted to give them rest. All they had to do was have faith and obey. Right? That's all they had to do. Put your faith in God and obey what He tells you. Right? And you will have rest. But what did they do? Oh, these guys are so big. Right? We're just like grasshoppers in their hands. Let's go back to Egypt, right? But faith and obedience is a key to rest. And it's the type of rest that God will produce in us that can really help us overcome anything. God has done everything to give us true rest now in, in whatever season that we are in. But so many times we allow fear and unbelief to knock us off of that place of rest. You know, what would have produced you know, what would have produced rest for the people of Israel was faith and obedience. They've had, they had 400 years of slavery. And God frees them. Does amazing things to free them, right? Shows him his power. Takes them to this beautiful land and says, Hey, just believe in me and do what I tell you and you will have this land. All they had to do was have faith and believe in they could have, they can have this rest. But they failed. When God instituted the Sabbath, this is what He had in mind. He didn't mean for the people of God to get all caught up in the legalistic aspects of what, you know, what they could and could not do on the Sabbath. Underlying the whole idea of the Sabbath was the fact that we need to come into total trust in God's provision. Put your faith in God and obey what He want, what He wants you to do. Right? That was the, the basis, the foundation of the Sabbath. Right? What do the people do? They're like, ah! You can't do this on the Sabbath. No. Well, then you can't do this on the Sabbath. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, it just became this thing of like pointing people out. Oh, you're doing that on the Sabbath. You go to Beverly Hills on a Saturday, right? I'm from LA. You see all of the Hasidic Jews come out, right? Because they're all like, you know, they're super rich. They live in Beverly Hills, right? They all come out on Saturday because they can't drive and they just take walks, right? And they have, you know, the, the guys with the black hats and the little curly things, right? They all come out, they're walking, right? Because, because that's, that's, well, that's what the law boiled down to for them. I, they, I can't, I can't turn on this light switch, right? I can't open this door. I can't drive this car, you know? That was not what the Sabbath was meant to be for the people of God. The Sabbath was meant to be. Trust in me. Put your faith in me for everything, right? And obey what I have to say. And you will have rest. You will have Sabbath. But for 1,500 years, they missed the heart of the Sabbath and they failed to find rest. And Jesus came and they couldn't even recognize Him. Son of God comes and they're like, Oh, He's healing on the Sabbath! Right? He's not from God. But Jesus, He came to show us true Sabbath. He says that He is the Lord of the Sabbath. He is the Lord of rest. And He heals on the Sabbath on purpose. You guys, He did it on purpose to show the Pharisees that they missed the mark and to teach the people 
the heart of true Sabbaths. Put your faith in God. Obey Him, and you will have rest. That He is our healer, that He is our provider, that He is our rest. We enter into His rest. And the rest that comes from God, spiritual rest, supersedes all of the physical rest. If you think physical rest is all you need, you're mistaken. As a believer, you have, you need spiritual rest. Because when you became saved, something came alive in you. Your spirit, man, came alive in you. You know that? Spirit of God, right? He rests, He resides in us, right? And, and our spirit comes alive. And that spirit needs rest. And it can only come from an encounter with Jesus. We find our rest in Him. Now, I want to end my sermon on a practical side and talk about what areas in our life that we can find spiritual rest in and things that you need to look out for because Satan is going to always try to knock you off your place of rest. You know that? The Satan's scheme is to, if you have any kind of rest, he's going to try to knock you off that rest and make you cling on to things that will not give us rest, right? And so these are the practical ways that we can find rest in areas in our lives. If you're in Christ Jesus, number one, find rest in His righteousness. You have been bought with a price. Your sins are forgiven. The wages of sin is no longer over you. He calls you blameless. And you don't have to strive or work for your righteousness. Because through the blood of Jesus Christ, you putting your faith in the blood and the person and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, His righteousness is placed upon you. Right? His, His grace is sufficient. Right? His blood covers all. But what Satan is going to throw at you to knock you off your place of rest is sin and shame. Right? Right? The minute that you sin is shame. How dare you? How can you? If you're a Christian, shame, right? God doesn't bring you shame. Shame is the voice of the enemy. Right? Adam and Eve, no shame. As soon as this fall happens, it's like shame, shame, shame. It's a byproduct of the fall. When we get caught up in shame and our sins, it will keep us in bondage. Right? So what do we do? We, he gives us a weapon, right? Repentance. No, repentance is a weapon. Repentance, turning from sin and facing God. Right? That's all we have to do. We don't have to wash a bunch of cars, you know. I, I saw the Karate Kid recently. You don't have to wax a bunch of cars, wax on, wax off, right? Now, you don't have to earn righteousness. He, he said, you know what? I'm, I'm going to forgive you. You turn to me, repent. Right? And, and, and repentance is not just like, oh, God, forgive me. It's like cutting off the head of sin. I turn from this. I turn from this sin and I face you. And in that place of repentance, we find the Spirit of God, we find sanctification, right? and we find His righteousness, His righteousness that is not from us, but is from Him. Number two, be at rest in your identity, in the knowledge that God loves you so much that He sent His Son to die for you, that He calls you son and not a slave or even a servant. He calls you a son, one of the most intimate relationships that we are able to know. Right, those of us that are parents will know that our relationship with our kids is so oh, so close, and like I love my kids so much, he brings us into that relationship, right? He also calls 
uh, you know, into the body of Christ and he calls us his bride, right? His identity over you is that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, that he loves you so much. Satan will knock you off that place of rest and start, and, and start bringing a comparison. When you start comparing, oh, look at, look at what that guy has. Look at where they are in life. Look at, look at the kind of job that they have. Look at the type of education that they have. Look at this and look at that. And in that place of comparison, you do not have rest. Have you ever tried to be at rest when you're jealous? It does not work. Right? Right? If you're jealous of someone, you cannot have rest. Uh, you might think, and as soon as that person comes up, be like, ah, oh, I want that. You know, like, I see my kids, and it's just like, sometimes I realize, oh my goodness, like, I act like children all the time, right? They're like kids, like Ethan, I'll buy something for Ethan, and as soon as that happens, Ezra's like, oh, I'm jealous, I don't want to, you know? And then like, nothing can, like, like nothing can give that little boy rest until, you know, he gets something that he wants, right? But you know what? You have to know that your identity in Christ is that, that you are royalty. That you are, you are beloved. You are His beloved. He loves you. And, and the weapon that we have for this is the Word of God. Base your identity and who you are on the Word of God and nothing else. You are what the Bible says you are. The Bible says that you are the Son of God. You are a Son of God. The Bible says that, that you are beloved. The Bible says that you are cherished. The Bible says that you are precious. And three, be at rest in your security. God says that He is our provision. In Him we lack nothing. Money is not your security. Your job isn't your security. Your parents aren't your security. God is your security. He is your refuge. He is your strength and provider. That's the truth that we rest in, that He truly does work all things for good for those that love Him, right? And then, and then the enemy will try to bring fear and anxiety and lies of lack into your life, lies of need. And it's like, oh, you need this. You don't have enough of this. Right? You need, you need, you need, you know, like you need to earn more of this in your life. And then, and the weapon that God gives us is prayer. Philippians 4, do nothing, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will be with you in Christ Jesus. Right? So, so, like, whatever the enemy throws at you, we have the weapon of prayer. About our, about our security. Right? If we're not supposed to worry about, what Jesus says, like, you know, like, don't worry. Like, look at the birds of the, hey, look at the, the flowers of the field, right? Like, if God's gonna do this much work for, like, these, like, you know, like, these tiny, you know, things, how much more will He, like, you know, give you, provide for you, love you? You're made in His image. You are His beloved. And so rest in His, in His security, right? Rest in the security that God is your provider. He is your provision. Number four, be at rest in God's timing. His timing is perfect. The whole aspect of Sabbath was for us to create, to cease what we're doing and rest. And we can find rest in waiting on God's timing. Right? 
What the enemy throws at us is, is the flesh. We get impatient, we get annoyed, we end up walking in entitlement, like, God, why don't I have this? God, why don't I have that? God, why did you do that? Right? There are things that God tells us to do and do for ourselves, right? There's, you know, like God, He didn't have to tell me to, to drive the church today, right? Alright, like, there are things that God wants to, for us to do for ourselves, and there are things that we can't do for ourselves, and we need to have faith and wait on God's timing, right? And when God said that He would answer our prayers, He never told us that it was to get what we want, right? When, when we want it. Right? He is God. He is sovereign. His providence is overall. So we need to learn to trust in God's timing. And we need to find rest in His timing. When things, when you pray and things aren't happening, right, it's not like God is mad at you. He's just, He's just waiting on His timing. And we need to be at rest in that timing, right? Have peace, like, oh God, you're not answering my prayer. I'm just gonna think, alright, this is your timing, and I'm gonna trust in your timing. And find rest in that trust. Right? So many times we're like, ah, oh, it's like our kids when we go somewhere far. It's like, are we there yet? Right? We drove to Seoul last week, and like it was like a six-hour drive, and then like an hour into it, Ethan Ezra's like, like, are we almost there yet? And we're like, dude, it's been like 50 minutes, right? And he said that every hour. Are we there yet? Right? We need to learn to wait on his timing. And then the last one is be at rest in your destiny, in your future. Jeremiah 29:11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Don't let the enemy fill you with lies about hopelessness, about your future. Because if you're in Christ Jesus, what does it say? God works all things for good that put that that love God, right? It may not look the way that you want it to look, right? That definitely might not look the way that you want it to look, but it will be good in accordance with God's will and God's providence. So you can rest in your destiny. God has mighty plans for you. And you you just need to have faith and obey. If you have faith and obey and be at rest in Him, God will lay out the plans that He has for you in your life. You don't have to be all, you know, like antsy about what what your future and what this is going to look like and what that's going to look like. But be at peace in knowing that God has something in mind for your destiny. And you know what? God, what God can think of is a lot, way better than what you can think of. You know what I mean? Do you know that? Do you know that God, what God can come up for your life will be infinitely greater than what you can come up for, for your life. If I really wanted what I, if God truly gave me what I wanted, right, when I was like, you know, 10 years old, right, I don't, I don't know, I'd probably be like working as an ice cream man, right, because I thought ice cream men were awesome. It's like, dude, they bring ice cream to everyone, right? Right? I did. We had this ice cream man in our neighborhood. We lived in a kind of a ghetto part of Torrance. This ice cream man would come, and when the ice cream man came, every kid in the neighborhood, it'd be like a, uh, like, like, you know, what's the name? Usain Bolt, right? They line up, you know, like they don't line up for food. They line up for ice cream, 
Right? I was like, man, that is power. Right? That is fame. That is influence. Right? I won't be the ice cream man. Right? But, but God, what God has in mind for us is so much more infinitely great than what we can come up with. So, so trust and have be rest in your destiny. God has your destiny in mind. He did not forget. God cannot forget. Only thing He can forget is our sins, right? But He hasn't forgotten about your future. He knows what He has in plan, has planned for you. You just have to have faith and obey and be at rest. Rest in the Lord knowing that God has a mighty destiny for you, which involves us becoming like Jesus. Romans 8.29 For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. I don't know about you guys, but that's pretty ambitious. That's a pretty awesome destiny, right? That we get to be like His Son. We get to be like Jesus. And knowing that God has us on a plan right, for us to be like His Son, we can truly find rest in that. Finally, I close with this. Spiritual rest can only come from encountering Jesus. Jesus and what He has done on the cross for us is a source of our peace, our joy, our salvation, our rest. We have to continue to drink from this well. Right? We have to continue to drink from this well of Jesus. Right? The more we drink from the well of the world, we start thinking like the world. Right? We start thinking about the things of the world. Right? We start thinking, oh, I don't have this in my life. I don't have that in my life. And we start comparing. We start doing all the things. That Satan, all the schemes I told you about the enemy start to come when we start to drink from the well of this world. But we need to drink from the well of Jesus. His Spirit, His Word. Because the more we drink and encounter Jesus, right, the more rest that we will be, the confident rest that we will have in the Spirit. Last week, I preached, Seek Him in peaks, for it's so that you can trust Him in the valley. Today I say, seek Him in seasons of rest so that you can have strength for the seasons of breakthrough. Because you guys, you know, the, God has amazing breakthroughs for you in each of your lives. He has amazing breakthroughs for you. you know, I've experienced breakthrough in my life recently, and let me tell you, I could not have done, I, like, I had nothing to do with that breakthrough. God had everything to do with that breakthrough. And God has amazing breakthroughs for you in your life. It's going to require some struggle. It's going to require some resistance. But He has you in those struggles so that, and those resistance so that you can break through. But it's going to require you to be able to rest in Him, to put your faith in Him, and to trust and obey Him in your seasons of rest. Let's close in prayer. Father God, Lord, I just, Lord, I just want to thank you for the amazing work that you're doing in each of our lives, God. And we thank you for this sanctuary. We thank you for the season of rest that we have in you. We thank you that we can rest in you. That as we rest in you, Lord, you strengthen us, you encourage us, and you empower us for the seasons of breakthrough in our lives. And so, Lord, I pray for all of us in here, help us to rest well. Help us to rest, not just physical rest, where we sleep. We know that we need sleep. 
But Lord, help us to seek out spiritual rest where we encounter you and we put our faith and hope in you. We lay our burdens at your feet and we, and we learn to trust in you, Lord. And as we trust in you and we obey your word, Lord, may you give us true rest. The rest that the world does not know. The rest that the world cannot take away from us. Lord, you say that our spirit is willing, but our flesh is weak. May we tap into the spirit. And may we be able to experience the rest that you have for us. Lord, we thank you for all the things, every testimony that will be written, Lord, in this season of rest. And we declare that you are the God of rest and you are the God of breakthrough. We thank you. Let's all stand up and close with the benediction.